Norman, the orchestra, for Norman, uh, Donald and the orchestra, Norman who's been leading, different people who've taken part, and all the technical people and uh, the microphone's still working, and hopefully... And a very warm welcome to all of you to Charlotte Chapel this evening. If you've come with friends and are a visitor, I hope you feel at home with us. After the service, coffee is served down in the lounge and we hope you'll stay. And uh, if you're um, a regular here, do look out for people who are visitors and make them feel at home and welcome them personally. It's a well-known fact, at least among my family and friends, that I don't have the best sense of direction. Despite completing a survival training course for mission service in the Himalayan foothills in Nepal and the jungles bordering India, I still get lost trying to find the homes of people who live in Edinburgh. In fact, last week, this is perfectly true, I headed reversed out of our drive and my son told me I was heading in the wrong direction for the shops and we've only lived there 12 years. However, with the advent of the internet, help is at hand for the directionally challenged in the form of Root Finder. All you have to do is put in the address and or the postcode of where you live and the address and or the postcode of the place you want to go to and hey presto, you press the button and out comes a map and a step-by-step printout of your journey. So, for example, the RAC route planner informs me that to get from EH10 6DY, the man's where we live in Morningside, to EH24 AZ, the chapel, this is what you do. You turn left into Clooney Drive, straight onto Commerston Place, down Commerston Road, bear left into Earl Grey Street, right into Princess Street, straight onto Charlotte Square, straight onto North Charlotte Street, right into Albion Place, continue straight onto Queen Street, right into Frederick Street, after 168 yards, take the third exit off the roundabout onto George Street, and after 206 yards, take the first left off the roundabout onto Castle Street, turn right onto Rose Street North Lane, straight onto Rose Street South Lane, you have arrived at your destination. Rose Street South Lane, Edinburgh, EH2, 4AZ, total distance 3.3 miles. Now, I've lived in Edinburgh in the Mans for 12 years and I've never gone that route. Which may explain why I have never arrived in the time which it says, which is, this journey will take you approximately seven minutes. Now, all I say is that the people who made this up have never lived in Edinburgh. Or maybe they have, because at the bottom it says, we advise you to take a 15-minute break after every two hours of travel. (laughs) Now, in Matthew's Gospel, in the story we heard read, we heard of a much longer trip undertaken by a party of men, which is commonly called the journey of the Magi or the journey of the wise men. And these men had no root finder to consult but eventually they discovered who or what they were looking for the newborn baby king of the Jews a child named Jesus and our title this evening is wise men still seek Jesus for what I want to try to do is to retrace the journey of the Magi in order to help us not just like them to seek Jesus but also like them to find him Now, Matthew's account of the story, which we heard read in Matthew 2, 1 to 18, 
doesn't give too many specific details about the journey. Whether, as the carol suggests, they travelled or field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star, let alone whether they actually rode on camels. However, it's not the specifics that matter, but what lies behind them. So, stay with me for a moment, if you can, and let's try and retrace their journey. And I want to identify three key points on the journey. The first is starting out from home. Matthew's statement that these men came from the east has provoked endless speculation about their country or place of origin. Where did they come from? Most people think either Persia or Babylonia, that is modern day Iran or Iraq, as a map of the ancient trade route shows. Though a recent article I read suggested they may actually have come from China. So maybe the carol is literally right. We three kings of Orient are. Although they certainly weren't kings. And you know, we don't even know that there were three of them. All we know is that they brought three gifts. So many of the traditional images are at best good guesses. Where they came from is linked with who exactly were they. And here where it can be a little bit more certain. Older versions of the Bible call them wise men. Modern versions simply transliterate the Greek word used here, which is the Greek word magoi, or singular magos, from which we get magi, or magi, I suppose would be a better pronunciation. Let's stick with magi. It doesn't mean a lot to most people when you hear the word magi, does it? Unless you add a C to the end of it. M-A-G-I-C. And you get magic. One writer comments, Wise men are not people endowed with wisdom in general, but students of the stars, experts in astrology, interpretation of dreams, various other secret arts. Some critics of the Bible have suggested that this story is a fictional story that was made up decades later by the Christian church to explain why the Christian faith was not just for Jews, but for Gentiles and people from way out east and other parts of the world. That's not very likely. One writer comments, a church which soon found itself in conflict with astrology is hardly likely to invent a story which appears to favour it. And there is actually a record of Magi visiting the Emperor Nero in Rome in AD 66. So, these Magi, wherever they came from, from the east, they see a star in the east, or it may just mean, the word east means in its rising. A new star in the sky. One that they recognise is of great significance. One that marks the birth of a baby, the king of the Jews. Again, there's been a lot of speculation about this particular star. What was the star that they saw? Same writer comments. Many attempts have been made to explain the phenomenon of the star, such as there was a conjunction of the planets, or an explosion of a supernova, or the appearance of a comet, but none carries conviction. But there's a much more puzzling question behind all this. While there's widespread evidence from contemporary writing at the same time the Bible was written that astral phenomena were widely held to be connected with the birth of great men, how did the Magi connect this particular star with the particular birth of the King of the Jews? Some people suggest they were familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures. That's our Old Testament of our Bible. And a pagan prophet centuries before, a man called Balaam, had said, he predicted, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will arise out of Israel. But even if this were the case, how did they know that this star 
meant that verse? How did they connect the two? Well, the answer is, we just don't know. What we do know, and is of most significance to us, all these years on, is that somehow, God used this particular star to motivate them to set out on a life-changing journey. And if this is true, what are we meant to learn from the story? Let me summarize very easily. And it's this. No matter who you are, where you are, follow that star. Let me explain what I mean. Some 50 years after the birth of Jesus, one of his spokesmen, a preacher named Paul, arrived on a Mediterranean journey at the great city of Athens, famous for its philosophy, its thinking, its culture. He was given an opportunity to speak before the main academic body in that city. This is what he said in his introduction. From one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this so that, the important bit, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, all human beings on earth, from the Amazon jungle dweller to the modern city dweller, have within them a restlessness, an emptiness, which makes them seek out for something beyond themselves, which prompts inquiring minds and restless feet. St. Augustine famously put it, Thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And God uses all sorts of means to get us started on that kind of journey. Means that are part of our own culture, their culture, even their religion. And you find this search even within our secular society, supposedly, out with religion. The Canadian novelist Douglas Coupland, who coined in his most famous book the phrase Generation X, speaking about that whole generation, uh, wrote another book called Life After God, in which he makes a surprising confession. This is what he says, Now here is my secret. I tell it with an openness of heart that I doubt I shall ever achieve again. So I pray that you're in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is that I need God. That I'm sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I no longer seem capable of giving. To help me to be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness. To help me to love as I seem beyond being able to love. And so we set out on a journey following whatever star may lead us, whatever sign may disturb us and cause us to think that this is not the end of the journey and there is more to life than this. If you're a parent, let me say something to you, because I am. I cannot understand how anybody can witness the birth of a child and not begin to think there's more to life than this. I find it hard to believe you can be a parent, see a child being born and remain an atheist. Because it sets you thinking. Life begins again. What's it all about? Uh, it may be a tragedy that disturbs your complacency. Something that happens that makes you think, there's more to life than this. And so people from all sorts of backgrounds, cultures, nations, set out on this journey by all sorts of routes. And the great tragedy is that we give up too easily. We settle for the status quo. 
I think Christmas is a bit like that. You know that? I'll tell you why. When our children come to us and say, if you buy me that PlayStation, I will never ask you for anything else ever again. I'll be completely happy. And you smile and you think, within 14 days it'll be something else. And then we remember our own childhood. And some of us think a bit deeper and say, if only, if only I wasn't in this job, I'd be really happy. If only I didn't have this family that I've landed up with, I'd be really happy. If only, if only. And we reach out and think, there must be more than this. So whoever you are, wherever you are, follow that star. Maybe, maybe in God's providence, you're even here in Charlotte Chapel this evening, you don't normally go to church, somebody drag you along and said, we've got a carol service in our church, please come along. And it evokes memories, the carols and the songs, and you think, maybe there's something in this. I really must set out on that journey again. Now the story of the Magi tells us that while stars may get us moving and heading in the right direction, they cannot lead us to our ultimate destination and the one who is the end of our searching. In fact, they may in fact lead you to the wrong place, as happened with the Magi. So notice the second stage in the journey, arriving at the wrong place. Eventually the Magi, wherever they came from, by whatever route they took, however long it took them, arrive in the city of Jerusalem at the residence of the current king, Herod by name. Herod's palace in Jerusalem is the natural place to look for the newborn king of the Jews. So I imagine they knock on the palace door once they get past the guards and say, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. But they discover to their amazement there have been no new arrivals in the royal family. There is nobody there. King Herod doesn't know what they're talking about. Now, if you've ever read the Bible, there are all sorts of Herods in the Bible. Alright? This is the Herod. Herod the Great. And with some justification. He was, according to contemporary accounts, wealthy, politically gifted, an excellent administrator, and clever enough to remain in the good graces of successive Roman emperors. His famine relief was superb, and his building projects, including the temple in Jerusalem, which he began in 20 BC, was admired by even his foes. However, he loved power, inflicted incredibly heavy taxes on the people, and resented the fact that many Jews regarded him as a usurper, not a proper Jew. So no wonder when these wise men, these magi, turn up at the door asking about the new king, no wonder he is disturbed by their question, for he knows that any child is not his child and certainly not in this palace. But notice, he takes their inquiry seriously. He determines to find out the answer to their question. So he calls in the religious experts, verse 4, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asks them, tell me, where will the Christ or Messiah be born? He asks the experts for an answer. Now the Christ, or to use that's a Greek word, to use the Hebrew word, Messiah, was God's promised saviour, his people Israel, foretold by centuries, for centuries by the prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures. And for all his pretensions to be a good Jew, Herod, Herod is actually an ignoramus when it comes to Jewish knowledge. It's not surprising, however, that the Magi don't know the answer to their question. But any Jewish Sabbath school pupil would know the answer. 
the birthplace of the Messiah had been predicted 700 years ago by a prophet named Micah and the religious experts don't take long to give the answer to Herod in Bethlehem in Judea they replied for this is what the prophet has written but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel verses 5 and 6 Micah 5 verse 2 so Herod secretly calls in the Magi checks out the story about the star and sends them off to Bethlehem now what can you learn from the second stage of the story about your own journey let me summarize again if following your star has taken you so far but you haven't found the answers to your questions search the scriptures let me explain again maybe following your star has prompted you to set out on your journey you realize there is more to life than the material deep within you is this kind of restless search for life for meaning for God although you may not even put it in those terms and you've set out with an open heart and mind maybe you're getting on a bit like me maybe you're a younger person who's just stepping out maybe you're a middle-aged person maybe you're an older person who's still got within you that restless searching but now you've come to a, what seems to be a cul-de-sac, a dead end where you can't seem to get any further where like the Magi you haven't found what you're looking for you've asked the right questions but you can't find the right answers and you wonder, are there any answers or is it all a matter of opinion? and what you need is what these Magi needed a source of information outside of yourself a wisdom beyond your own wisdom and learning you see King Herod asked the Jewish religious leaders the question the Magi had asked him the question he didn't know the answer to and they didn't sit round and say we'll have a discussion about this and take a majority vote on it no immediately they turned to a source outside of themselves the Hebrew scriptures they believed that these were God's words what God had said which for the record had been carefully written down and preserved down the centuries as an infallible guide to the questions of life that could not be deduced by human reason alone and in particular these Hebrew scriptures this is the Old Testament part of the Bible contain predictions from the past about key events of human history that would one day take place God said especially those concerning this promised Messiah that God would send to rescue his people and fulfill his plans for the whole world and these predictions even gave details like the place where he would be born Bethlehem in the tribe of Judah ever wondered why it says that? well because there's another Bethlehem in the tribe of Zebulun that's 100 miles or so away and imagine getting the wrong address and finding sorry you got the wrong Bethlehem there is no mistake they say it has been written so if following your star has taken you so far but you haven't found what you're looking for I just say to you search the scriptures simply take this book seriously examine its claims to be God's word with an open mind and heart in particular note that the Hebrew scriptures are Old Testament point forward to the Messiah and the Christian scriptures what we call our New Testament describe all their fulfillment in the person of Jesus in the most incredible detail not just his birth but his life his death his resurrection and the fact that one day he will return to planet earth my wife and I recently returned from a trip to the northern Philippines 
where one of our members of this church, Barbara Hodder, has spent the last 18 years of her life learning and analysing an unwritten language called Majojo or Miao Yao, spoken by 25,000 people. Her purpose in doing this was to translate the New Testament into this language and we were there for the celebrations. Now you ask yourself, why does a person do that? Why spend 18 years of your life with a community of 25,000 people translating a book that was written hundreds, thousands, two thousand years ago? Why? Because she is convinced that this book is no ordinary book. God's Word, which a small language group in northern Philippines needs in order to find, like the Magi, that Jesus is the end of all their searching. And it's that important. And here's the good news. You don't have to, like the Meow Yow, wait 2,000 years before someone finally gets around to giving you the New Testament in your own language. You can read it in dozens of different versions in English. Just go into any bookshop and it's available. So, if your journey's taken you so far and you've come to a dead end, I simply say to you, don't forget what's under your nose in the pews. Search the scriptures. And so, instructed by Herod, the Magi set out on the remaining leg of their journey on the road south out of Jerusalem, finally reaching the right destination. Heading for Bethlehem, redirected by the Scriptures, to their, to their joy, the star reappears, confirming the fact that they're on the right road. Now we sing about the little town of Bethlehem. In actual fact, it was probably little more than a large village at this time. Nonetheless, it would be quite difficult to find the exact place where this baby was. In fact, if you read the story very carefully, Matthew describes Jesus no longer as a baby, but as a child, and he says that his parents were now living in a house, not the inn. And the fact that Herod decides to kill all the children two years and under, even allowing for liberties that he did this, suggests that Jesus may well have been by this time a toddler. But the star stops over the place, where the family are in residence and we find that they that we read that they find Jesus verse 11 on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary they bowed down and worshipped and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh and much has been speculated about the meaning of the particular gifts but the most significant thing in the account is that they bowed down and worshipped him they were the first Gentiles the first non-Jews to worship the Christ the first of a great stream of people from all ethnic groups languages nations on earth people like the Miaoi of the Philippines who would enter the kingdom of heaven through Jesus so what do we learn from this third and final stage let me summarize again the most important thing is not the route you take but the destination you make encountering and worshipping Jesus you talk to anybody, even in this church where we all come from a pretty similar culture, although in actual fact if you come on Christmas Day we normally have at least 20 or 30 different countries represented in just the congregation on that Sunday morning. But you will find if people are Christian, Saturn, how did you become a Christian? And you'll find that they came by all sorts of interesting routes. But they all came to the same place. Where you worship Jesus and you bow down before him and you say, he is my king. I'm going to follow him. And you discover to your joy that he is the end of all your searching. The question is, have you arrived yet? Are you still on the journey? 
Maybe this is another leg where God is giving you a kick, a prompt to get you going again. And we're almost finished. Conclusions. Further journey. Journeys. In one sense, meeting with Jesus is the end of a search. End of a journey. But it's also the beginning of a new and exciting journey. And this was not only true for the Magi, but for all those involved in the story. Notice, warned by God in a dream about Herod's murderous intentions, the Magi returned to their country by a different route, verse 12. Joseph, also warned by God through an angel in a dream, takes his family and flees to Egypt. King Herod, failing in his attempt to destroy Jesus, died a few months later, beset by a terrible illness that increased his incipient paranoia so that he savagely murdered not only his enemies but also his wife and two of his sons. Now I don't suppose any of us would sympathise in this story with Herod and what he did. Few of us would want to destroy Jesus. But there is another group in this story with whom we're likely to identify. A group who didn't make any journey at all. Did you notice the religious leaders? They just stayed where they were. When Herod consults them for an answer to their, his religious question, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They have no difficulty in the answer. They say, in Bethlehem. That's what the prophet said. No problem. And they sat back with the satisfaction of star pupils who'd answered the right question correctly. And as far as we know, they went back to their scrolls, back to their politics and their theological discussions and infighting. But just a minute. Bethlehem in Judea. It's only five miles down the road from Jerusalem. And these exotic visitors have come from goodness knows how far, guided by a remarkable sign telling them of the long-expected birth of their Messiah. Why even Herod the Great is disturbed by it? Surely it's worth at least checking it out. But no, there is no record of any further investigation by the religious experts. They got the right answer for they knew the Scriptures, but they failed to meet the Messiah. How tragic... How incredible. And yet there are many people in this city, maybe even you in this congregation, who do the same. We're not even agitated enough to oppose Jesus like Herod did. We're just indifferent. Our minds are made up. We live in a watertight system which has a sign hanging over the door that says, Do not disturb her. As the man said, I've made up my mind. Don't confuse me with the facts. When we visited the Philippines, I was just struck by how excited the people were to get the New Testament in their own language. There was singing, dancing, celebrations, and every leader who spoke, even the government leaders, the civic leaders, let alone the religious leaders, you know what they all said? The same thing they said. Please, please, could we possibly now have the Old Testament in our language? Sadly, they'll probably have to wait, because there are other people in the Philippines who need to get the New Testament before they'll have a chance to get the Old Testament. And you can walk into Edinburgh, into any bookshop, and buy the whole Bible, as I've said, in a score of different translations, yet most people simply do not bother. So if nothing else comes out of this, and I really have finished now, can I urge you at least to read the Bible? Read one of the four. If you haven't got one, come and see us. We'll give you one. I'm happy to do that. I'll get to straighten it out with the Norman and the Finance Committee afterwards. But Get a gospel, just one of the gospels, and simply read it with an open mind and say, Lord, I'm on a search. I don't know who you are, where you are, who Jesus is. You can be as honest as you like with God. Because he's probably heard some of the things before in the past. And just simply with an open mind say, I'm on a journey, I'm restless, I'm searching, I want to know more, I believe there's more to life than this. Please, please help me. 
And I believe if you do that seriously, God will seriously take your question seriously and will meet with you. Or take a copy as you go down on the stairs, very appropriately named, there's a little booklet called Journey into Life. And it's all about the Christian journey. It's free. Just take one and read it. Or speak to one of us. We have a course called Christianity Explored where you can ask any question you like. Just kind of informal with some food and friendship. It's an opportunity to ask the questions. If we can help you in any way, we'd be delighted to do that or come and see us again on another Sunday or whatever. But speak to someone afterwards. Most people, if it's someone who looks like they know what they're doing here or someone who's wearing a badge, we'd be delighted to help you in any way we can. Let's just pause for a moment.